Okay, let's see. I got uh, coffee. Check. I've got my notebook. Check. And the microphone is all set. Everything's ready to go. So, how are you doing, my happy innovators? How are you holding up during these COVID days? Huh? How's it going? Is your life miserable or are you actually making the most of it? I would imagine that if you are a happy innovator, you are probably making the most of it. And uh, that's exactly what I'm going to do today, too, you know? Because, you see, I had a plan, you know? I had a plan to release a new song every week. And, uh, you know, I started to fall into that whole trap of, uh, you know, letting the schedule dictate when songs get released. And, you know, I learned my lesson back in 2017 with the Escons project that that's really the wrong way to go. But yet again, I found myself kind of sliding right into that. And I decided, you know, I had a song I wanted to release. I actually recorded it about a year ago. And it was strong then and it's strong now. And I thought, okay, this is the song that will be released next. But after listening to it um, and preparing it to be released, uh, I kind of thought maybe uh, I could do a couple of things a little bit better. Maybe change a couple of things because, you know, I had sung the song, the lyrics that I had written and everything, but it was kind of like my first try at singing it. And I just kind of left it there like, OK, I'll, I'll sing it. That's it. It's done. But listening to it now, I think, you know what? I might be able to actually sing it a little bit better. Having lived with the song for about a year. And uh, so that's what I decided to do. And then hence, uh, there was no song to be released last week. And I'm still waiting uh, to get that song wrapped up. A couple of things came up. So I decided today that what I should do, since I'm not going to be releasing any new music this week or last week, um, that I would drop in a little Singularity podcast for you just to kind of give you something rather than nothing, right? So, you know, here I am in my studio in these COVID days. And like you, you know, I'm paying attention to the news and uh, all the different developments that are popping up now and uh, states are starting to open up and everything and uh, it's it's actually a pretty interesting time I think that as this COVID-19 era progresses it gets more and more interesting you know, with, with the passing of time um, you may or may not feel the same way I don't know but that's how it is for me man um you know, I, I just really kind of uh, try to stay neutral on all this stuff, you know, um, kind of somebody in the middle, kind of watching both sides and how things play out. And, you know, of course, I saw the whole you know, Nancy Pelosi ice cream fiasco and, uh, uh, you know, all the, the different reports of deaths and things like that and how people are. You know, getting fed up with being stuck inside and how they're just kind of, you know, abandoning their caution and just going out and living life and rolling the dice and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, 
I got to be honest with you. There's a part of me that really feels happy about that, especially when I see Americans doing that, because there's this this thing with Americans that most people probably don't really understand unless you live here. But like we're kind of uh, raised with the ethos of the rebel, you know, in America, like uh, the revolutionaries, the ones who founded our country are, you know, taught to us as heroes, right? So there's this kind of spirit of rebellion that's woven into the fabric of every American life, you know, like breaking out and uh, standing up to what they disagree with, you know, redress of grievances, that kind of thing. And I just got to be honest with you. I mean, I, I understand the risk and how some people are worried or offended that this is going to spread the pandemic more. But I personally get a little bit of satisfaction every time I see somebody out there, you know, kind of taking a chance and, you know, casting aside their worries and doubts and their fears and just, you know, going outside, you know, people like Americans want their life back. Okay. It's, it's past that time now where at least I kind of see it this way, where enough time has passed where there's people who are just ready to go outside, you know, they want to go out and be social and live their life and roll the dice, I guess, you know, with their health and all that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's risky. It's probably to a certain degree, maybe irresponsible, but I don't know. I don't know. Everybody seems to be doing okay with it. You know, this whole opening up thing. And um, I don't know, I guess, unfortunately for me, I live in a state that's, you know, reporting some of the highest numbers of deaths and infections and stuff. So it'll be a while before Massachusetts probably opens up like all the other states have. Um, I guess what uh, Massachusetts and California and New York City, you know, like uh, I guess would be Boston, Boston, New York, Los Angeles, you know, the, the major cities and I guess they're going to be the last to open up, you know, so that kind of sucks. But eh, little by little, uh, Massachusetts is opening up here. So I'm not sure what all this means. I mean, it's crazy, crazy times. I mean, I wake up in the morning sometimes and I think to myself, is this real? <laughs> like, is this really happening? Like, this is so outrageous and so extreme and crazy you know it just is um that doesn't diminish as time goes by it just seems to like get weirder you know uh maybe you agree with me maybe you don't i don't know i don't know i just think that uh i'm proud of a couple of things really when it comes to america that you know when the time to self-quarantine came we didn't have to be told. We didn't have to be asked. I and mean, people just naturally went into that mode. And as time passed, maybe a month or two, and people start to kind of see that maybe the coast is clear, maybe it's not as serious as we had thought it was originally, hey, you know, 
you know, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to live. I'm going to live my life, you know. And uh, I admire that. I do. I do. I guess when I think about COVID and all that stuff, maybe as, you know, when, when this is all over years from now and I think about it, maybe that's what I'll remember the most, you know, is that when the time came to lockdown, we did it. And we waited, we watched, we saw the reports, we saw what was changing, what was going on, maybe the political implications of all this, the financial implications of all of it. And, you know, here we are now, maybe two, three months in, and people are fed up, you know, they're fed up. They're ready to break out. (laughs) Like, they can't take it anymore. You know, I understand it, man. I do. So, so there you go. My thoughts on all this craziness. I mean, I suppose I could talk for, you know, hours and hours and hours about this stuff, but, you know, I won't do that. I won't. It's not that interesting to me. You know, it's not that important to me, really. But, uh, I did over the course of the past couple of weeks. You know, I have this handy-dandy notebook here that I write down my ideas in and stuff and just kind of keep track of my songs and all that kind of stuff. It's almost like a diary, but it's like a, a creative diary. It's all the stuff that I'm making. Um, actually, I got the idea for doing it this way, you know, having a notebook all the time because... Uh, I remember I went to this place, the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn, Michigan once. And on this property, they have all these famous buildings from history, maybe like corporate history, even like the Heinz uh, original building where they started Heinz Ketchup and that company began. Well, they have that building, you know, they moved it from wherever it was and they moved it right into this park, this, this preserve. Okay, and they have all kinds of stuff there. The Daniel Webster house, you know, uh, but they also had the laboratory for Thomas Edison. Okay, now it was really cool because they have a pretty big sized room with all these tables and shelves and bottles of chemicals and all this experimental stuff, you know, uh, books of patents and all that kind of stuff. But right in the middle of the room. Like smack dab in the middle of the room, right in the way of everybody, okay, was this chair. And the chair was bolted to the floor, right? And what that chair was for was for a person to sit there and take notes about everything they did in the laboratory. So as they're conducting an experiment, this person sitting in the bolted chair in the middle of the floor would be taking dictation and and you know chronicling all the steps to this experiment so that if they succeeded in the and the experiment was a success they would know how they got there now isn't that cool it's a simple thing it's kind of like a silly thing really but it makes complete and total sense so i remembered that it stuck in my mind and you know as i got into more and more of the production of music and that kind of stuff, I realized 
that a lot of the time I would come to these like great sounds or great ideas and I wouldn't remember how I got there. So that if I wanted to use that idea on another song or something like that, I wouldn't have any way of knowing how I did it. So I started to take notes, you know, and I developed uh, this little system and, uh, you know, I just have notebook after notebook filled with all these different things. And it's really kind of cool in a way to do that. I don't know if you do that, um, that kind of thing with journaling and kind of chronicling what you're doing. Um, maybe not even with your creativity or anything, maybe just with your life. You know, I happen to do both. I, I pay very close attention to myself. You know, I, I kind of have learned to do that. And that sounds strange, but you know, just the other day I had a friend of mine, actually, that lives in Brazil, <laughs> and she was telling me that she's kind of going crazy, you know, with this whole COVID thing. She's alone, um, she's uh, you know divorced, and she has a daughter and stuff, but she is alone, and, and she, her daughter is you know in college or something. So we're talking about a person who's you know really alone. I mean, you can't visit with anybody. You can't do anything. It's like, I guess I don't really think about that until someone mentions it to me. You know, that's got to really suck, man. You know, to be like single, have everybody out of the house except for you. And you're alone. And that's it, man. And this COVID thing, when there's a quarantine, you are screwed. You know, you are by yourself. So she was asking me... <laughs> for some advice, you know, stuff to do. And I kind of told her, hey, here's what I would do if I were you. You know, take advantage of this downtime where you don't really have to be interacting with anybody and take that time and focus on yourself. You know, start to journal. Um, you know, I would even recommend like recording your voice, like talking about the day, talking about what happened, and then go back later and listen to it. You'd be surprised how impactful that kind of practice is and how much it changes your intellect, how much it changes the way you look at yourself and how you problem solve. And, you know, none of you have asked me for advice, but this is the advice that I was giving her. Like, take advantage of that. You know, take advantage of the downtime um, because it's going to end and it'll be over and the opportunity will be gone. But uh, I learned a long time ago that it's good to journal. It's good to chronicle what's going on in a specific time and your mindset and your opinion and your feelings. And, um, you know, it's really sometimes it's really kind of remarkable to go back and listen to yourself talk, talk to you, like listen to yourself talk to you. It sounds a little bit weird, I guess, or something for all the normals out there. But if you're a happy innovator, it makes sense. It's a good thing to do. Anyway, so that's the, the point, right? Is that I got this notebook here and I wrote down a couple of ideas, you know, over the past couple of weeks of things I wanted to talk about. And it's good to do because I get these ideas and then I would forget, right? So now I just turn the page and I go right to this section where I write down my things to talk about yeah pretty good system you know it's simple uh, old-fashioned you know pencil paper pen paper on you know in a notebook but priceless information in here you know um 
So one of the topics that I wrote down here, let's see, it says hack proof. The word, the term hack proof is a myth. Okay. And that's something I do want to talk about because especially now, because you know, there's so much vulnerability right now with everybody being online pretty much exclusively, like not too many people are talking face to face. A lot of stuff is happening, you know, uh, through technology. Right. So you have like Zillow and all these like social media platforms where you can do live chats and Skype and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it just always kind of makes me wonder or think about the idea um, when they when a company makes like a software or there's a, a program or a platform you can hook up to or application and they promise you that, you know, there's privacy and they promise you that um, you know the information that you share and all those kinds of things your data your name your phone number your address all that stuff is private no one can hack into our system it's very secure and I gotta tell you when someone says that kind of thing to me I automatically just call bullshit okay because there is no way, in my opinion anyway, there is no way in this day and age that anybody can promise you complete security and ambiguity with your information. And in my opinion, if you think that it's possible, you're nuts, okay? You, because I'll tell you what, one thing I have noticed throughout this whole technological revolution is that there is no such thing as hackproof. I mean, there will always be somebody smarter, better at hacking than the people who are paid to make things secure. I mean, they will always be chasing it, right? I mean, it's kind of like the idea of like a bank is supposed to be secure and safe, but there's n never going to be a time when banks aren't being robbed. I mean, it's just someone will find a way to get in and crack the safe and take the thing. I mean, it's just, there is no such thing as hack proof anymore. And, and uh, time after time you hear these stories about, you know, people who kind of forfeit their information or trade off their information, their personal data and all those things, not thinking too much of it, but they trade it off, you know, in order to use and benefit from like some kind of social media platform or something. But then you find out that this thing that was supposed to be secured in private, somebody hacked it and they took all that data and information and did God knows what with it, right? Like there will never be a time ever, ever when there's total safety and security and privacy with your information online. That's just my opinion, but it's an it's an educated opinion. You know, there's just no such thing. So when someone makes that promise like, oh, if you sign up with us, you know, we'll guarantee the security of your personal data and information. It's bullshit. They can't guarantee that because some dude somewhere who's, you know, probably friggin brilliant, you know, at computers or something will find a way in. It's just, they'll always be chasing it from here to eternity. They'll make a new provision to you know, 
guarantee security and some dude somewhere will figure out a way around it and then we'll make another provision to block that and then that dude or some other dude will think of another way to get around that. I mean, it's just a cat and mouse game that will never end as far as I'm concerned, right? You may disagree with me and you may not think much of it anyway. Like, who cares if my personal information is, you know, in the wrong hands or something? And I suppose there's a point there, right? Like, who really cares? But I don't know. We're going to find out in the future, I'm sure. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how serious the, of a topic or how serious of a problem that actually is. Oh, boy. You know, I make this music. It's called Honest Wave Music. That's what I call it. Like one, the word one, you know, one person wave, you know, honest, onest wave. Um, and these songs are long. And the idea behind it is for people to have longer pieces of music that they can use, like in their YouTube videos or, you know, whatever they're creating, like whatever project they're working on. If they need music, they can use my music for free. They don't have to worry about retribution. You know, it's there for them to use. And a lot of this music is instrumental and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, as you may or may not know, like I currently hold the Guinness World Record for the longest officially released song. And I noticed that a lot of people are listening to it and stuff, but um, they don't. <laughs> it's kind of a uh, kind of funny to me, okay? Because, uh, you know, the idea... Okay, and I, I guess I want, I want to clarify this today. The idea with these longer pieces of music, like these Honest Wave pieces, like When the Wind Comes or The Rise and Fall of Bossa Nova or In the Garden or even just the normal ones like 2020 Vision and Try, you know, they're not three hours long. They're not, they're not world record holders. They're just, you know, a half an hour long. So if your video is a half an hour long, you can have a piece of music that runs through the whole thing, right? Well, the, the idea with those longer pieces, at least in my opinion anyway, is that you don't want to be, um, they're not meant to be like heard or listened to like, <laughs> like in your headphones, like full tilt boogie, like cranked. You know, the idea with those longer pieces of music is that you have them playing in the background you know, like, um, so that's not complete silence. Like, let's say you're working on a term paper or you're working on writing a book or you're working on a painting or something and you want silence in the room. You don't want to be distracted by sounds or people or talking, but you want something that's not silence. You want something playing in the background, something that doesn't have to be changed. Like you don't have to switch to another song. I mean, you know, I got this one song that, you know, it's like 13 hours long. You know, you can just press play and you don't ever have the whole day, the whole work day. You don't have to worry about changing, you know, songs or having that song, that mood, that vibe you got. You know, you don't have to worry about it stopping and then going into some other song or like having to go back to the beginning again. It just that's that's how I see it. That's how I design it for you. You know what I mean? It's not meant to be in your face, cranked loud. It's meant to be like in the background, in the room you're in. Like just something to kind of like 
keep you in a in a zone, you know, uh, for a long duration and get that project done that you're working on. And I just have noticed that there's this, you know, trend, I guess, of people that are, you know, it's like a, a competition or something, a contest where, especially with the younger kids, where they'll take that song and they'll listen to it, you know, and uh, the 14 hour, 13 hour one. They'll take it and it's like a marathon. Like how long can they can listen? Can they make it all the way through? And I think all that kind of stuff is really funny and it's flattering too. But I almost want to tell them like, man, like that's not how it's meant to be digested. Like don't torture yourself with this music. The idea is that it's in the background in your house while you're working on stuff, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I don't even know if I need to even say that, but it's just something I guess I felt compelled to say. Like, um, you know, the idea is not to to make it a marathon. You know, it's not like it's not meant to be like torture. <laughs> it's meant to be like soothing and like in the background. Okay, so enough said about that. You know. You know, I also wanted to talk about the whole notion of wearing masks in public, you know, for this whole COVID thing. That's something that was on my mind. And I wrote it down here. So, yeah, wearing a mask out of courtesy, you know, because I kind of don't really think it's necessary to wear a mask. Okay, that's just my personal opinion. I think it's kind of, dare I say, like silly. I kind of think it's a little bit silly. But it doesn't matter what I think. You know, what matters is what other people think in the public space. And there's a weird kind of social, I guess, responsibility that we need to have for other people. Like, even though I'm not convinced that I need to be scared to death of this disease, there are some people maybe at the grocery store who are, you know, and I have to respect that. So out of respect... I put on this mask, even though I feel silly, even though I think it's kind of stupid, or maybe a little bit of overkill, you know, there's that courtesy thing for other people. And when I see people walking around without a mask on, that's kind of what it makes me think about. Like, they don't really have a regard for other people, you know? Um, And I know there's all kinds of like, I don't know, what's the word, like... Uh, practices, beliefs, or whatever about the mask thing. And, you know, is it protecting me from a disease or is it protecting you from a disease if I'm wearing a mask? Or There's all kinds of philosophies and crap like that. Um, you know, and you got to respect it. You got to. And you got to pay attention to it. And I just kind of see sometimes, I'll, still, I'll see people walking around without a mask and I'll think, is it because they don't give a shit? You know, they don't care about other people is that why or is it because they just think this whole thing is just bs and it's a waste of their time and it's ridiculous and maybe they're looking at the people that are wearing masks like you guys are a bunch of suckers you know what a bunch of losers like you just believe everything they tell you right i don't know i could be wrong i could be right i don't know but i do think that out of respect for other people, even though I personally have my questions about wearing a mask and all that stuff, out of courtesy and respect for other people, I'll wear that mask. 
But I'll tell you what, I'm really looking forward to the day when nobody has to wear a mask anymore. So, you know, it's just one of those things. I suppose I can wrap up this podcast, this kind of like a courtesy podcast, emergency podcast, because uh, you know, I don't have any music for you. Um, I can wrap it up by explaining the music at the end of this podcast, a rather, rather short podcast. I think it's about a half an hour so far. Um, what I'm going to share with you at the end of this podcast, that's kind of a cool thing. Um, I have the song, A Broken Table. I just released it uh, about a week and a half ago. The last song I released uh, for the new Pipe Choir album. And uh, I thought what I would do is I would share with you the original version of that song that I recorded. Man, it was so long ago. That song is so old. I think I recorded it wrote it and recorded it maybe maybe 2000 the year 2000 which is hard to imagine like 20 years ago the song is 20 years old okay but I did a version of it originally that was um, just guitar keyboards and vocals that was the idea to have this kind of ricochet guitar thing happening a real short song. It's only about a minute and 50 seconds long and all that. And, um, you know, no drums or anything like that. Just guitars, keyboards, and vocals. And uh, the kind of song that begins and it's over before you even know it, you know. It's really short. And I wanted to release it for this new album, right? But I listened to it and I thought, you know, I'm going to take another swing at it. Even though I kind of like it the way it is. Now, what if, there's that question, you know, that that question when you're in the throes of your creativity, right? You know, what if, what if I tried this? What if I changed this? What if, what if, what if? And that's what I started to do. And uh, what if I added drums? Well, I added some drums. What if I changed the time signature? What if I slow it down a little bit? What if it goes from, uh, you know, absolute silence and you know, like don't play with dynamics just go right into it and have the song hit the brakes at the end with just this vocal so anyway um, blah 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 blah. I'm talking 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 the point is is that today what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you the original version of it and then immediately after that I'll share with you the new version of it and it'll give you an idea as a listener Maybe you like my music. Maybe you are a fan of my music. You know, it'll give you an idea of how an idea can start out a certain way. And it can kind of change and evolve and go into another form. You know, that idea of recycling an old idea. There's nothing wrong with that in my book. It's a good idea. It's good to do. You know, Um, even when you think a song is finished and you're happy with it, hey, maybe a few years down the road you'll hear it again and you'll reimagine it. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's the cool thing about being a DIY musician like I am is I don't have to answer to some A&R guy at a record company about, you know, I'm going to redo a song that was technically finished 10 years ago or five years ago or whatever. I don't have to ask permission. I just am free to do that 
And that's really one of the biggest benefits about being a DIY artist, you know, that freedom. And I would imagine that as an audience, you're probably ready for something like that too. You like, you might appreciate it too, right? This idea that, um, you know, you're, you're hearing a song that I did uh, a long time ago, and now you're going to hear another version of it. You know, it might be a song you like. You know, maybe somewhere down the line, uh, you know, I'll redo Dream On, or I'll redo Love, or I'll redo, you know, any of the songs that are, you know, well-known or whatever. You know, who knows? I don't know. I don't think so, but, you know, maybe somewhere down the line I'll get the inclination and I'll hand off to you a new version of the song that you already know. And here, hey, I rethought it. I, I took this out. I put this in, and here you go. Listen to it. I mean, it's only music, right? I mean, it's, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that big of a deal that a song is recorded once and that's it, and you don't touch it ever again. It's kind of stupid, especially for a guy like me, who's not doing a whole lot of live performance anymore. It's a way of kind of shaking things up a little bit. So, after all that. Whew, See, see what happens when I don't talk for a month? Just like you pull a cork off and it just starts pouring out of me. But anyway, I'm going to wrap it up right now. I'm going to get back to work. But try to stay safe during this COVID time. Try to appreciate it for what it is. You know, take advantage of this downtime to really kind of get yourself together, maybe spiritually, intellectually. You know, kind of delve into yourself a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. A little bit of self-examination and all that kind of stuff. It's healthy to do. It's good to do. And, uh, you know, you can enjoy the music at the end of the podcast. And hopefully, this time next week, you'll be hearing another song from Pipe Choir for the new album. And if not, if I can't pull it off, if I'm not satisfied with, you know, the re-singing of the song that I'm going to do probably today... Um, I'll give you another podcast and I'll explain myself once again. But until next time, folks, remember, this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy, everybody. Okay, all you happy innovators who were brave enough to stick it out to the end of the podcast. And uh, maybe you want to hear some music. Well, like I promised, here we go. Uh, The original version of A Broken Table, written by me, probably, like I said, back in the year 2000. Um, The original version was much different than the later version that I just released about a week and a half ago. And uh, I'll just kind of let you listen and let you be the judge as to which one you like best. All right. So first up, the original version of the song. And then immediately after that, you'll get the later version. All right. Peace out, everybody. Hope you like it. Stay safe.
Okay, happy innovators. Now, next up is that second version of the song, the revised version uh, that I did. And uh, it's got drums in it, all that kind of stuff. And check it out, okay? Peace out.